We're talking about spiritual warfare today, and this will be uh, part six. We'll be talking about how do we make war, and this will finish our series on spiritual warfare. Let's read our key scripture again, Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 12. says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. So we've looked at how the enemy makes war his uh, schemes, sixfold demonic schemes of accusation, deception, persecution, and the fear of it, affliction, and the fear of it, our flesh in the world. And then last week, we began to look at how do we make war, and we're going to continue on with that today. So our equipping is twofold. Uh, first, we fight not for a place of victory, but from the place of victory, which Christ has already won at the cross. And then we talked about that last time. And then secondly, which we'll talk about today, we stand equipped for the battle with the armor and the weaponry that God supplies us. God's part is to give us the place of victory. Our part then is to stand. And just a couple of scriptures from last uh, time about the place of victory. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So that's the victory, and then he delivers it to us. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've talked about how we are joint heirs with Christ, the Son of God, who at the cross won our victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil forever and ever. We're more than conquerors in that Christ is the conqueror, and we are the enforcers of that victory. We are now, we could say, the occupiers of the conquered territory of this earth. So God's part is we stand in his victory, in the victory of Christ. Our part is that we stand. Paul exhorts us to stand four times in this passage in Ephesians 6. In the Old Testament, there were two or three times you can think of where Israel was told to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And in the same way as that standing still, they usually they still had to actually march or they had to go collect spoil. As Paul is exhorting us to stand, it's that same type of standing that's not just standing around. The Greek phrase to stand or to stand firm, as Paul uses it here in Ephesians 6, when it was used in a military sense, uh, it meant to hold a crucial position while under attack. So it's more than just standing around. This has to do with taking a stand and both defensively and offensively. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Now, Paul says something else here. He says that we should be prepared to stand in this manner when the evil day comes or when the day of evil comes. What does that mean? When does the day of evil come? Well, it's here. <laughs> it's this evil age, the time that we live in until the Lord's return. In Matthew 6, 34, Jesus said, sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Every day has evil in it. So we're not training for a one-day, a someday battle. We're in it. Uh, we need to stand now and every day that we're here on the earth. So we stand. Our position, as I mentioned a moment ago, is both defensive and offensive. So first we 
defend the territory already won, our own hearts and minds and lives. And like Jesus, also we lay down our lives for one another, to defend one another. And then offensively, we're, first of all, we're always seeking to take new ground in our own pursuit of God and his character and nature in our lives. We're always looking to be more holy, always looking to be more loving, always looking to have more godly wisdom, always looking to have more maturity in our life of worship and prayer, always seeking to be more like God in every way and to take new territory in that sense. And then also, we fight for those who are still held captive to the power of the enemy. We go on the offense against uh, what Jesus called the gates of hell to secure freedom in the name of Jesus who are up for others who are still held captive. And Jesus promised that those gates, as we assault them, would not be able to withstand our assault. They would not prevail against us, but that we would prevail and be able to set captives free. So our position is both defensive and offensive. And then we fight equipped with the armor and weaponry of God. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of the time here today talking about. The devil uses schemes that we've talked about that are born in darkness, cunning strategies, uh, all those things we mentioned, accusation, deception, persecution, etc. But our armor and weaponry is made from materials crafted in eternal light, truth, purity, righteousness, justice, and mercy. And Specifically, our armor or our weaponry is listed in Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 19, going a little further in our key passage than we've read up to this point. It says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And I'll make a little disclaimer here. We're covering each of these pieces of spiritual armor because Paul listed them. They're in the Bible, so that means they're important. But uh, sometimes people make too much of the, the metaphor, the illustration, uh, like we see ourselves as some kind of Marvel comic book superheroes uh, swinging around a sword and the shield and eyes blazing. And uh, really, this has a lot more to do with living every day in the nature and character and power of God. All right, I just put that out there. Just suffice, suffice it to say that whatever you pray and whatever you proclaim, just make sure it's backed up by biblical reality in your life and you'll be okay. So number one, our weaponry, our armor and weaponry. Number one, the belt of truth. So the belt or girdle provided stability and secured the rest of the garment and the weapons. Uh, a weightlifter, if you think about it, puts on a belt to stabilize his core. Truth is the foundational piece that secures us at the core of our beings, the belt of truth. Psalm 51.6 says, you desire truth in the inward parts. So I'm stabilized, I'm ready for battle by having an inward reality of being truly sold out to God and living by every word of truth that proceeds from his mouth. I'm not doing some insincere or false religious show here. This, this is my for real life. I am a worshiper 
in spirit and in truth. So secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, the breastplate would be how we, is a chess piece, of course, so it's how we protect our hearts. And we know the Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our hearts with all diligence. Now, this breastplate of righteousness, this would be the righteousness in the sight of God, which is imputed to us, and also the righteousness of Christ, which is imparted to us. And if you're not familiar with those terms, let me take just a moment and explain. Imputed righteousness is like Abraham's righteousness. His faith was counted to him, reckoned to him uh, as righteousness. He was right with God because uh, he had faith in God. His trust was counted as, as being right with God. And so we have righteousness because of the sacrifice of Jesus. The blood of Jesus makes us right with God through no doing of our own and no righteousness of our own. It's just imputed or reckoned or counted to us. And then we have imparted righteousness. When we're right with God, we are born again and the character and nature of Christ is in us. So we have the ability now imparted to us not only are we forgiven and considered right with God, everything else wiped away, but now our, the nature of our new lives, our born-again lives, is that we can be righteous and live apart from sin. That protects our heart. Impurity can no longer infect our hearts and spoil us and rob us of our destiny as sons of God. We put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts. Number three, the shoes of the gospel of peace or of the preparation, some translations say, uh, here in the, we're using the English standard version. It says the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. You know, if you're on uh, unstable ground, rugged terrain of some type, being sure-footed and able to stand firm, steady, it's a lot easier with shoes that have good treads and are made for that purpose, isn't it? It's, it's pretty hard to run over rugged terrain when you're barefooted. So the preparation or the readiness to both live and preach the good news of peace with God is what keeps us steadfast and moving forward throughout the, uh, the warfare that we encounter in this life. So for instance, I'm not rocked by accusation or condemnation that would come against me because I'm sure-footed and standing firm because I'm living in the good news that I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in Romans 5.1. So I can't be shaken, I can't be rocked, lose my footing over an accusation or condemnation that would come to me. And then also the going forward, the going and preaching, proclaiming the good news to others of peace with God. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all of the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Right, the shoes are the readiness of the gospel of peace. Number four, the shield of faith. Now, we know from Hebrews 11.1 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is what brings the invisible uh, into reality, and it makes it as real as real can be. The promises of God, the, the intangible things that we can't see become tangible to us by faith. And as we see the flaming darts of accusation, deception, affliction, etc. headed our way, we raise the shield of faith that reminds us of what God has said to the contrary. We trust in God. We're, we're living by faith and not by sight. So faith brings the promise of God to bear against the schemes of the devil, protecting us, enabling us, empowering us for the battles that we face. For example, if a flaming dart of financial distress is coming my way, it's real. It's not imaginary. It's really coming. 
But I raise the shield of faith and I say, no, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I think of war movies where the sergeant is growling at his troops to keep moving to advance and uh, into this this withering hailstorm of gunfire. I always think how hard it would be to see all that coming at you, uh, intended to take you out, and yet to find the courage to obey, to to follow the orders, and to keep moving. And uh, we have to have faith. You have to have a lot of faith in your commanding officer to do what he says to obey, and a lot of conditioning to simply obey the command. We need that in Christ, and we can have that in Christ as our commanding officer that we can trust him to keep moving forward. We just raise up the shield of faith and we say, whatever's coming at me, I just know that he will provide, he will protect, he will empower me to prevail. All right, the shield of faith. Number five, the helmet of salvation. So the helmet protects, of course, the head where we think and reason. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, Paul says it this way. He says, take for a helmet the hope of salvation. So the hope of our ultimate salvation keeps things in right perspective. The threat of persecution or affliction can be frightening and can cause us to change our mind, run from the fight, abandon our post. But as we submit our thoughts and our decision-making to the hope of knowing that our salvation is secure and that, as it says in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, we're able to prevail, to fulfill what we're called to do and to be effective warriors for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Number six is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, this is one of those pieces of our weaponry that can really evoke images in our mind of the superhero character swinging the sword around, lopping off demonic heads left and right. And praise God, you know, there's truth to that. But this phrase, two-edged sword, is actually used to describe the word of God in several places in scripture. And generally, it's used to describe a short dagger-like uh, blade, more than that long single-edged type of sword that you'd, you'd swing around. It's an instrument that's made for close-up precision work. And we can see that illustrated in Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Same phrase, same word as Paul used in Ephesians 6, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Very precise, almost like a surgical instrument the division of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So this is a precise instrument that is able to even divide what I'm thinking from what I'm, uh, from my motivation. In Revelation 1.16, in John's vision of Jesus, it says that from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. Same word, that sharp precision dagger. Jesus wielded the word of God like a sword in a very precise way, to rebut the temptations of the devil in the wilderness in Matthew 4, in verses 4 and 6 and 7 and 10. Every time the devil would bring a temptation, well, if you're the son of God, or make, turn those stones into bread, and Jesus would, what would he say? He said, it is written. He quoted the word of God. He used it specifically to the temptation, to rebut those temptations. And we're to live that way. We live precisely, intentionally, according to the word of God. We pray precisely, intentionally, according to the word of God. We preach precisely, intentionally, according to the word of God. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. Number seven, the last one, prayer at all times in the spirit. It's interesting that Paul caps off his list with prayer. And he makes the description of it pretty expansive praying with all, at all times with all prayer in the Spirit. I want to say this, if we pray, 
but do nothing else, of course, we've missed it. We know that's not what we're called to do, to just pray. But if we do all of the other, if we have all kinds of activity, spiritual activity, and what we think of as kingdom activity in our lives, we do everything else, but we fail to pray, it'll all be to no avail. All prayer here includes all forms of communication to and communion with God, supplication, intercession, giving of thanks, praise and worship. And we've talked about all of those other modes in another series. Prayer at all times in the spirit. We must pray. And then just to close here, the the final verse, Ephesians 6, 19 says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Okay, this is not a part-time venture. We're not part-time soldiers. (laughs) This is to be a life-consuming adventure. This is our occupation as Christians, is to be in this battle, fully engaged, uh, not only taking up our favorite parts or the easiest parts of the armor or the weaponry, but we're to take up the whole armor of God and to become proficient with every tool that He has given us. And again, it has a lot more to do with everyday life in the nature and power of God then it doesn't gearing up for some kind of a major event uh, that's going to occur periodically in our lives. But victory is assured to us as we live our whole lives in this glorious fight. I pray that's what we do.